Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. I have a question for you this morning. How many of you have a life message? The truth is most of us do have a life message. A life message is just something that really burns within you. It's, it's what gets you excited. It's what makes you come alive. It's a thing that you talk about a lot when you're around people. And this morning I'm excited because I'm going to be sharing with you my life message, something that God has put on my heart and has really, it's really been evolving over time. And uh, a lot of times a life message begins in seed form. And, and I call those inheritance words. Uh, an inheritance word is just a promise that God gives you. Maybe you don't, didn't realize that there are over 7,000 promises throughout the Bible. So if you're having a difficult time with finding an inheritance word, a promise from God, I would encourage you to just read through the scripture and, and, and see some of the promises that God makes. For instance, one of the promises that, that Jesus gives that, that's one of my inheritance words is he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus says, here, here's the promise, that if you will stay connected to me, if you will stay uh, in union with me, then you're gonna have a lot of fruit in your life. You're gonna have a lot of success in your life. But if you try to go independent, you're, you're gonna fail every time. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's, that is a, an inheritance word. And maybe that's an inheritance word for some of you today. Jesus is saying, hey, you need to depend on me in your life. Now, when I was 27 years old, uh, I, I received an inheritance word in the form of a prophecy. And it literally changed the course of my life. Uh, it, here, I'm gonna just read from my journal uh, as a 27-year-old, this is the word that I got. The Father is freeing you from the constraint of religious bondage to be a daring deliverer of others who are also ensnared and in need of God's marvelous grace. I'll never forget it. I had never uh, had received a prophecy before, but Charles Slagle shared these words for me. And to me, and I, and I remember thinking about them, thinking, what is, what is this really all about? One of the things that, that we need to realize is a lot of times we'll get a word for our lives that really could become a life message, but we don't step into it immediately. In fact, uh, it was a, over a course of many years uh, before this life-changing word really began to make sense to me uh, fast forward nearly 30 years, and the Lord speaks to me again and says, Steve, uh, it, was, it was the approach of my 50th birthday. And, and I'll never forget the Lord saying to me, Steve, for the first two-thirds of your life, you've, you've lived in a certain way that you've understood. But for your last third of your life, and hopefully I get more than a third more, uh, for your last third of your life, I want you to live it in a radically different way. And then, and then he essentially said to me, I want you to trust me to show you a better way. I want you to be willing to take big risks. 
I want you to change your entire way of thinking so that you can join me for the rest of your life and all that I'm doing in your life. And boom, it was just like this. I realized that the word that had been given to me as a 27-year-old, now as a 50-year-old, 23 years later, were one and the same. That God really wanted to release me to be a daring deliverer to those who are bound up in religious constraints so that they could be free to really taste and experience the marvelous grace of God. This morning, I'm gonna share with you the life message of freedom in Christ, freedom in His grace, we're beginning a series Joel and I will be teaching for the next several weeks entitled Living on the Right Side of the Cross. And so as you listen to this, everything I'm talking about is what does it look like to live on the right side of the cross? The truth is many of us have a lot of mixture in our lives. We have read the Bible in a certain way that has really devalued what happened at the cross. Can I say this? What happened at the cross, the cross event, changed everything. When I say the cross event, I mean more than just the crucifixion of Jesus. I mean his crucifixion, his resurrection, his uh, ascension into heaven, his enthronement as King of kings and Lord of lords, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. It was 50 days that changed the world. The problem is most of us have not changed along with what Jesus did for us. But I hope to share some things with you that might spur some thoughts in you. Uh, first, let me just say, uh, there are three, three significant changes that occurred at, at the cross event. And so I just wanna walk through some of those things that have really impacted my life. The first one is this. The first change after the cross is a shift from sin consciousness to righteousness consciousness. That's a big mouthful. Our focus was once on sin, and now it's on who we are in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 21 in the ESV, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Literally means a new species. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you get that? Because of what Jesus did in that finished work on the cross, we have become a new creation. We've become the righteousness of God. When God looks at us, he sees us differently. He sees us as sons and daughters. He sees us as adopted and chosen into his family. And he, he looks upon us with great love and care. But the problem is this, that if we have a mindset that lives on the wrong side of the cross, basically it will turn into old covenant religion. Joel shared a little bit about that in our time this morning and offering and whatnot. How do you shift your mind from old covenant thinking into new covenant thinking? That, that's essentially what we're talking about. And so the first thing is to move from sin consciousness that sees God essentially as an angry judge. That's the metaphor, a, a judge who must punish our sin. I, I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I grew up. And so I had this distorted view of God. 
You know, I, I kind of saw a good cop, bad cop. God, God was this angry father judge, and Jesus was this good, loving brother. And can I tell you, that's not the picture of Scripture. It's, it's father and son in the power of the Holy Spirit, three in one. They all have the same nature, the same attributes, the same heartthrob for us. And so when I began to see that, things changed. You know, when I was in college, though, I, I remember just being attracted to, to, you know, fiery preaching on sin and hell and judgment and all that. And, and I've asked myself, why? Why was I so attracted to that? Well, I think the reason is that because through this fiery preaching, I felt convicted of my sin and I felt the literal presence of God. But John 16, 9 says it this way, the Holy Spirit was sent to convict us of the sin of unbelief. The truth is, once a person repents of not believing in Jesus as their Lord and the source of their salvation, he or she immediately begins uh, his or her union with God in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. It's not this long way away, I have to grovel in my sin for a while. Immediately when I say, God, I need you and I thank you that Jesus died for my sins on the cross. I receive, I embrace by faith that gift. Immediately union with God begins. It's, but, but what I did was I kept going back, hearing about my shame and my failure and my guilt so that I would feel the presence of God. Can I tell you, God really does want us to feel his presence. That we were created in such a way that he created us to worship. There's a reason why worship lights your jets. There's a reason why you get excited when you hear praise and worship music and you sing. It, because God created us to live in his presence. He created us to be in union with him. That's, that's just the, the issue. Now, here, here's the, the problem. The problem is we live in a culture, in a Christian culture, that basically uh, is sin management, managing our sin, coping with our sin, is a billion-dollar industry. So you can go to Christian bookstores and whatnot, and you will find all kind of self-help ways to cope with your sin. Can I tell you, that was never the Jesus way. Jesus did not come to earth to teach us how to cope with our sin. He came to free us. That's what the word sozo means, to save, to heal, to deliver, to make free, to make whole. And so that is the good news. But in our independence, in our uh, self-reliance, sometimes we miss the point and we want to deal with our stuff instead of saying, help, Jesus, I need you. If you don't come through, I'm not going to make it. And that's the first step to coming to Christ. That's the first step of living on the right side of the cross is realizing that Jesus has done it all. He's accomplished it all for us. And it's a matter of us receiving all he's done for us. Now, the second change after the cross is a shift from trying harder to trusting Jesus and his finished work. Let me say that again. The second change of living on the right side of the cross is a shift from trying harder to please God, 
trying harder to do the right thing, striving to be better, striving to do better, to a place of saying, you know what? I'm just so grateful for what you've done for me, Jesus. I'm grateful for the grace that was provided to me, that it's unmerited. You just gave it to me. The Apostle Paul asked three questions in Galatians 3, 2 and 3. Listen to this. It'll be on your screen. I would like to learn just one thing from you. First question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Second question. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you trying to finish by means of the flesh? You hear what Paul's saying? He's saying, was it your works or was it your faith? Just believing and trusting. Was it beginning by the Spirit or is it now trying to live it out in the flesh? And then the third question is this, are you that foolish? He said, come on guys, let's be real Apart from God's grace, as Jesus said, it's a remaining relationship with him. Apart from that, we can do nothing in our own strength. Now, that that is a pretty powerful thing. Apart from Jesus, we really can't do anything in our own power. Living on the right side of the cross is really based on two things. It's based on the once-for-all forgiveness by Jesus, a sacrifice to end all sacrifices, Uh, the, The book of Hebrews is all about this whole issue of moving from the old covenant to the new covenant, moving from many sacrifices into a once for all sacrifice by Jesus. The second thing though, it's about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, let let me give you a little background because the prequel to the cross, the main event that changed everything is called the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And even there, you find prophecies prophesying to a day when Messiah, Savior, King, God would come and redeem, reconcile, and restore his people. Listen to this in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, which was written like 570 years before Christ. Jeremiah is writing, he says, the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant It's not gonna be like the covenant I made with your ancestors when I took them by the hand, led them out of Egypt. That was the old covenant, the old Mosaic covenant. He said, because they broke that covenant of mine, though I was a husband to them. But he says, this new covenant I'm gonna make with my people, I will put my law in their minds. I'm going to write it on their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. But listen to this last thing. He says, and I will forgive all of their sin and wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. What's he saying? Once for all, sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And that happened in Jesus at the cross. Now, listen to this. There's a second one, though, in in a prophecy in Ezekiel. Ezekiel prophesied about the same time as Jeremiah. And and here's what he says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 through 27. He says, there's coming a day when God will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. That's the indwelling Holy Spirit. He will remove from your heart the stone, the heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. He says, God says, I will put my spirit in you and move to follow 
and move you to follow my decrees. There's going to be a transformation from the inside out that gives us the desire to follow the ways of God, not just to try harder, not to strive more. See, the new covenant is not simply a renewal of the old. The new covenant is is more than just an upgrade. It's radically new, radically different. And we'll be talking about that more during this series. Now, you remember at the beginning of our time, I said, I was talking about an inheritance word uh, from John 15, five, where Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are branches. If you'll remain or abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Fruit is the analogy of the life of God flowing and overflowing in our lives. Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to understand it really is about about abiding relationship in me. Now, the third and final thing I wanna share that really changed on the right side of the cross at this cross event, this 50 days of all the culmination of the ages, scripture says, what Jesus did is, is found in 2 Corinthians 5.16. Now, this, this is a major difference, I think, because at the cross, there was a shift from imitating Jesus to emanating Jesus. You, you know the difference. Imitation is just mimicking what someone does, just doing everything they do Whereas emanating is, it comes out of you from inside. It flows out of you. Now, the prescribed way in the Old Testament, the way of discipleship was you followed the rabbi. You did everything he did. You mimicked, you imitated everything he did. And so Jesus with his disciples, they would have viewed Jesus as the bearded, sandaled rabbi who they followed all throughout Judea. Can can I tell you, their view of Jesus was very different than the other side of the cross where they saw him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah of all mankind, the one who had come to redeem and to reconcile the entire world to God. But I I came across this interesting verse that, that kind of shows the difference between this side of the cross, previous to the cross, and then life on the other side of the cross as disciples. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we no longer regard him in such a way. And I thought about that. What is is Paul trying to say? Because he goes into the next verse and he says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. He goes on, he says, listen, there was a time before the cross where we regarded Christ as, as just a human being, a rabbi that we followed. He said, but, but now, now we see him in such a different, clear way. You know, during the transitional period between the ending of the old covenant and the beginning of the new covenant at the cross, Jesus was just simply relating to his disciples in a way that they could understand, in a way that they would know uh, and learn and be able to step in to the new life that he was offering them slowly, incrementally. He was transitioning them from the old covenant into the new covenant. And everything changed 
at that cross event. Everything changed in his resurrection power when he overcame death, Satan, sin, and, and freed mankind. Everything changed at the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Now, my question is, my last question is this. So what does living on the right side of the cross look like today? Just very practically, what does that look like for us? Several years ago, I was in Thessaloniki, Greece. We have mission partners there that have known for many, many years. And, uh, but but I, was, I was walking through a beautiful park there in Greece, just taking some time off, just enjoying the city and just meeting people along the way. And I came across this couple that really struck my attention. They both had dreadlocks and uh, they uh, were playing a guitar and reading some poetry. And uh, they actually invited me to sit down with them. So I sat down with them and, and began to visit a little bit. And uh, they told me, they said, well, we're, hey, we're hitchhiking across um, Europe. And uh, we're, we're uh, from Israel, we're Jewish, but we're just hitchhiking and we're taking in the stuff. And so they had a little picnic lunch. We ate together, we talked, and I was by myself. And so it was, it was, it was just a really easy time. And so probably 30, 45 minutes into our conversation, I just asked them, I said, well, uh, so, so are you guys religious Jews? Um, do you do you have uh, a devout faith? And they say, Oh no 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 no, we're not we're not religious Jews. And so, but as I talked to them more and more, I realized that they really understood their heritage. They understood all the stories. They knew their ancestors, their forefathers. They knew the richness of their heritage. And uh, so, as we were going on, the the, the young lady, she was, she was really. Um, gregarious and fun and, and outgoing. And, and she said, you, you know, here's the deal. She said, there's, there's one reason why I don't practice my faith. And I said, what is it? She goes, there's just too many damn rules. I said, what do you mean? She goes, oh, there's like over 600 rules. I, I just, I can't do that. And so I looked at her and I said, you know what? That's why I follow Jesus because he only had one law only one rule. And I just paused, you know, and went back to eat my sandwich and we were talking and she, it was just quiet for a while, kind of awkwardly hot, quiet. And she said, all right, I'll, I'll buy it. What, what is the one law? What is the one rule that Jesus had? I said, well, Jesus, at the end of his life, he looked at his disciples. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another in the same way that I've loved you with that love, love one another. And by that love, the whole world will know that you are my disciples, that you belong to me. And before she could, could think about it too much, she goes, I could do that. And I just like, I said, great, would you like to follow Jesus? And she just goes, oh, no, 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 I don't want to follow Jesus. And I said, I, I just winked at her. And I, you know, I said, I understand. I said, but it really really is that simple. It's the law of love that emanates from within us. It's not all these externals. It's not all these things that we try so hard to do. On the right side of the cross, it's a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Can, can you imagine only one rule? But the rule of love? I, I like what Pastor Joel says often. He says, Jesus seems to be saying 
that spiritual maturity is not based on how much you know, but on how comfortable you are with love. And that's my question this morning. How comfortable are you with a love relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, we have to shift to live on the right side of the cross. Have you shifted to live on the right side of the cross? That's really the question because the good news, the gospel is this. It's, it's the forgiveness of Jesus. Have you received his forgiveness? It's not anything you have to do. It's a done deal. He's already forgiven you. In fact, I like to say he's pre-forgiven us. It's just a matter of the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see what is ours and receiving the gift that he's given us of forgiveness and eternal life. The second question is, have you received his indwelling Holy Spirit? Because it's a, it's a matter of saying, Jesus, I need you, and his spirit will come to live inside of you based on what he's done for us on the cross, the resurrection, and then the pouring out of his Holy Spirit. Have you an abiding relationship with Jesus? Do you know him personally? All of these things are just a simple question of, would you like to enter into a relationship with Jesus? And it's as simple as this. I'm not a formula guy, but it really is a matter of just changing your whole way of thinking. The Bible calls that repentance. And it really is a good word. And trusting. That's what, that's what God told me. He said, listen, last third of your life is gonna require radical trust. It's gonna require a real change in the way you think. Jesus says the way we enter into his kingdom and his way and his life, that law of love, that way of love, is by changing our way of thinking and aligning with him and trusting him with our lives. I wanna invite you to trust your life to Jesus today. It'd be the greatest decision you've ever made, but it's not just a decision you make, it's a lifestyle you enter into Jesus says, this is what eternal life is. If you want to enter into eternal life right now, he says, this is eternal life, that you know God the Father and the Son whom he sent. And the first step in any relationship is saying, I want relationship with you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you, God, for your provision of life on the right side of the cross. And so, Lord, we just say yes to you again. We receive your goodness. We receive your grace. We receive your life that was, was given freely for us. In Jesus' name, amen.